Welcome back to the Speakeasy Law Podcast and part two in this series. You just jumped 15 minutes ahead in the uh, in the uh, conversation. <laughs> well, I, I was go going there. I was going then. there. Yeah. But no, we'll jump talk about it. Let's know while we're talking about it. Let's hit it because you're yeah, right. It's not going to sustain itself. It can't sustain itself. No, it just can't. So you're thinking six months down the line, it's going to be falling back. Well, I think six to twelve. Okay, and and that's only that's a direct result of the shortage of new car production right now. So used cars are just so desirable right now because people, the only way people can find exactly what they want is if they search out that used version of what it is and. You can find that anywhere in the country. Right, you know? right, and it can get it shipped to you. That's going to go on for some time. So that's what the word on the street is in the car dealerships now? That's just my educated guess. Locker really room is. talk. And, and, and that's, why, that's why I won't say how long I think it's going to last. I just will say I think at a minimum we're 6 to 12 months. And okay. Beyond that, I don't know. So Nobody if you're, knows. If you're thinking about a used car, trading in your used car and a new car, now is the time to do it. Yeah. So let's move, keep moving down the list because I think we're getting so we really got, good information here. Research a specific brand, a researcher dealer, researcher trade amount. What's for? So number four, if you are going to finance or lease, which most people do, know what your credit score and your credit history is before you go in there. It's free. It's easy to do. And then you can walk in there with a very realistic idea of what to expect as far as an interest rate goes or even an approval goes. If you walk into a dealership and the first thing they want to do is pull your credit, walk right back out of that dealership. I'll tell you right now, that's just not a good sign. And it's just, it's a sign of what's to come as far as them pushing you forward. When a customer walks in, it's rare for me to find a customer who doesn't know what their credit score is. I mean, almost everybody knows what their own credit score is right now. And, you know, there are different versions of credit scores right now. And what, what a bank pulls your score to buy a car is different than what a bank would pull your score to buy a house. But just to get a general idea of where you are, like a good question I'd like to ask a customer is an easy question. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think your credit is? And if somebody says 10 without hesitating, then they've done their research and they know. And, and if somebody has had some challenges, then they know that too. And we can work with that. Banks... We, we go through so many different banks. We have a very talented finance department, and it, there's a lot of options you have. But if you know that before you go in, then you can be upfront with that, and, and it will determine the process of how that deal has worked. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. And again, I think the consumers need to be realistic because you have, if you have had challenges in the past, it means you're going to get a higher interest rate and a higher monthly payment than somebody who's got a great credit score. But I don't dissuade them from going to a big dealership when they do that because you guys have much a lot more experience and a lot more banks who are willing to finance mm-hmm. them, who are willing to take on maybe a riskier loan. Yeah, and I, I'll say this too, just because I know how we do it and, and we do it the right way. A lot of times, and this is very common, especially in big markets with some big dealers, if you walk in and if you do have some, you know, credit challenges and you let them know that what they'll do is they will pull your the dealer will pull your credit first to see your score and if it's low and they're not sure who can get it approved they'll send it to eight banks or nine banks that does not do you a service as a consumer whereas what we do is we try to talk to the customer about what their credit challenges were and we know the banks to send them to so we'll send them to one or two or maybe three and then if we feel like we're hitting a wall we'll stop you know, we're not going to just keep sending it to banks and keep rolling the dice until we get somebody that picks it up. I, I just, we, would, we wouldn't do that to a customer. Be careful with that if you have had credit challenges. We, we actually get those phone calls um, in our consumer defense 
department because they're calling and saying, hey, I went to go buy a new car and now they've pulled my credit with 18 different... They have 18 different pulls. Yeah, and now, they're, now their credit's shot because they have all these pulls, you know, so it's crazy. And, and it's okay if you're going to shop for a car to let a dealer send it to a couple of banks. I mean, a bank will see that and they'll know your car shopping. And believe me, banks are competitive right now. They're, they want your business, you know, and, and so... If you have a good enough dealer with a good enough finance person, they're going to get you the best rate. You know, they're going to work to get that for you. What about, what about, would it be better for a consumer to get pre-approved, like on a pre-approved financing, like at a credit union or something? No. No? Not always. And, and actually, it's rare for that to happen. For example, we'll get a customer that comes in and they, they'll say, you know, I've been banking with such and such bank for 30 years right now. You know, I... I want to go through them. I'll walk in the door and I know they'll give me a good deal because I have three accounts there. And how long? No one has, no one is a better customer to a bank than a manufacturer's car dealer. You know, we deal in high volume with these banks. So we get a way lower rate than a consumer can walking That's in the good door. good to know. And even if you belong to a credit union, we go through many local credit unions. We're a direct dealer to them. So you don't have to go in there and get a bank draft and then come in. We'll submit it right to them and get you the same rate you would have got if you walked in. And if it's a bigger bank, I guarantee we'll get you a lower rate. You know, so it's- the reason I brought that up is because a lot of people who are, I mean, they're like zombies when it comes to credit unions. They're in love with the credit union. Oh, I do all my banking with the credit union. I have a credit card with the credit union. Until they come to see us. Until they come to see us. <laughs> and we have to tell them what the bank did is cross collateralized your car loan with your credit card. Right. Yeah. And when you pay off your car, you're not going to get the title. So I'm not going to bash credit unions here. That's not the purpose of it. But I agree with you. I wanted to hear it from your mouth that having pre-approval from the credit union is not always the best deal for the consumer. Correct. And also be careful, too, if you do um, apply for a pre-approval for a, a car loan from whether it's a credit union or even some big banks do it. When you click that submit button for your credit application, if you don't read the fine print, that bank is allowed to send your information then to car dealers and let them know you're looking for a car and trust me your phone's going to start ringing then it's going to so blow annoying. up yeah yeah so that's another reason why having a relationship with a dealer and someone who you know and trust and taking things in the right steps i think is a good idea it used to be the student loan people who blew up your phone or but now it's the car warranty people you bought a car you got you need a car warranty they call me still it's about to <laughs> they call you back they do, and when I say I work for the dealership, they hang up immediately. <laughs> they don't want to talk to me anymore. So now we got the answer, everybody. Yes. If any, that the I car just, warranty yeah. people call you, tell them you work for the car dealership, and they will hang up. Well, you know what, too? This is a little bit sidetracked, but I'll just say this as a PSA right now. You will never get a phone call after the fact from the dealer or the manufacturer about extending your warranty. Those third-party warranty companies... You know, registrations are public record and they can see when you registered your vehicle. So they know when your warranty is up and they send things so official in the mail. Sometimes they've tricked me like, you know, why am I getting something from GMC right now? And I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't from GMC. Be very, very careful. Very, very careful with those. We won't solicit you on extended warranties. No, they won't do that. <laughs> So that's good. So where are we at, Casey? All right. So we, we've, we're researching specific brands or models, researching the dealer, researching the trade amount, and then um, knowing our credit score. So what's number five here? Number five is the most important one, and it's why I saved it for last. And it's my favorite, um, for even for personal reasons. Don't be afraid or don't be shy to call into that dealer before you go in. So if you're not coming to DeVoe, and you don't know to ask for Matt Cola, and you're going somewhere where you don't know someone there, 
Here's what I would do if I were you. I would call that dealership. I would ask for the sales manager of whatever brand you're trying to buy, new car sales manager, used car sales manager. When that manager gets on the phone, you can tell them that you're coming in tomorrow at three o'clock to look at a vehicle and you want to deal with their top salesperson. And trust me, that sales manager will not hesitate to tell you who to ask for when they come in. He will be glad to give you that person's name. And the reason for that is because he knows that that person is more likely to sell you a car. The reason that person is more likely to sell you a car, it's because they're really good at what they do. They've probably been there a long time. They have a big customer base. They're not, they don't have to sell you a car. They're not going to be pressuring you because they have a good month, month after month. That's why they're the top person. Deal with that person. Um, I was that person at one time. I have had people come into the dealership and ask for me because of Google reviews they read about me that of my customers that I've sold. It's just an easy way to do business. Rather than pulling up, getting out of your car, seeing a group of five guys standing around and a guy who has to sell a car today because he's not hitting his goal. Now you're dealing with that high pressure situation. Always ask for the top person, you know? That's just I've been saying that for years to friends of mine, to family members, to people who I know who live out of state. If they're not going to come buy a car from me, at least deal with their top salesperson at the dealership. That's my number one piece of advice. That's an awesome piece of advice for like anybody that. out there who's listening. That was worth the price of admission. Now, I know we, we talked a lot of crap for like 15 minutes before we got into the good stuff, but that was <laughs> worth waiting for. I've never heard that before. And it's, it's actually an it makes it's, so much sense. It makes so much sense. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do that. And you're right. The sales manager would want to give you the best guy in the house. Definitely. Or the best woman in the house, whoever's selling the most cars, because they're not going to push. They're not going to intimidate. They're not going to do anything except try to make you happy mm -hmm. and put you in the best car for you at the best price and at the best financing rate if they possibly can. They've got no other game in town. Why would You're right. It makes the blinding flash of the obvious. I know. And, and then you have a connection not only to you know that dealer, but to their top person, you know, mm -hmm. to their top salesperson, and so that's who you would send your friends to, and that's Correct. who your family's going to buy from, and you're you're in with that person. That's then, the relationship. So, yeah, that's that, that's because the relationship. Chances are, not chances are, a hundred percent for sure. That top salesperson is not standing out front. You're not going to randomly run into them when you go to the dealer. They're busy in their office with other customers right now or making appointments for, for, for referrals from other people who are happy with their services. They don't have to stand out front anymore. They don't have to stand out front anymore. And again, now, when you buy the car, what about service? How does DeVoe operate their service department? And, you know, why is it an incentive to go back to that dealership for service? It definitely is. Service after the sale, as long as that service department is doing things the right way and the way they should, is, is, is very important, um, especially on a new car. You know, you're under that new car's manufacturer's warranty. So going back to the dealership, having all those ser service records and just having that relationship with that dealer is a good thing. Plus, if you had dealt with someone who had been in that dealership for a long time on the sales side, then that salesperson has a great relationship with the service department too. I used to tell my customers, don't even call the service department to make an appointment. Call me. I wanted to know when my customers would be in the service department. Then I would have a separate calendar and I would know when they were in there and I would know that Mr. Smith was going to be there tomorrow at two. And I just wanted to go over there and say hi to him. There are salespeople like that all over the place, you know? And, and so that relationship between sales and service after the sale, it's, it's, I think it's more important than just going in and buying a car that day because that service department is who you're going to live with then for the next three years or whatever the term of ownership is. What's the normal rate that somebody owns a car these days? Three to five years? Yeah, that's about it. Three, about to, five, three to five. Yeah, years. in in this market, it's a little shorter, but I think 
you know, nationally three years, three to five years is about normal. I'm a, I'm a little bit different. I'm a buy and hold guy. Yeah. Yeah. I well, don't, I don't like to get rid of them. That's the smartest way to do it. You know? I just don't like to get rid of them. And I'm a, I'm a GM guy. Yeah. Casey is a GM girl now. Yeah, yeah that's right. She went from well, a Buick to a GMC. Which he sells Buicks also. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. True. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I actually just bought a car from Matt. And it's funny as he's going through all of these things. I'm like, oh, wow, I did that. So I, I came in. I sent him ahead of time. I sent him the two cars I had found on his website that I really liked and that I was coming to look at. I had obviously already known the dealer and the sales guy. I had already known how much my trade was going to be worth roughly. I figured there was going to be some some weird factors to it because I was having a little bit of issues with the, the car itself. I knew my credit history and I actually came in pre-approved. So I did screw up on that one part, but I did come in pre-approved. And I handed him everything. I said, these are the two cars I want to look at. He knew I was coming. I was on a Zoom meeting with him and another guy on my way down, not driving. I was in the passenger seat, but I'm like, I'm... Just so you know, when we get off this meeting, I'm getting out of my car and I'm walking into your dealership. So he knew I was coming. So I'm really proud of myself. I actually went through all of your top fives. Look you at did. me go. Yeah, you, 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 and I would have done none of that. I <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting, too, is you, you talked about your pre-approval. You did have a pre-approval and you had all that information and it was awesome. I mean, Casey was ready to go. Like she, she, ready to buy she, a car. she basically slid everything across the desk and said, here, I have this. And we... We're, we were able to beat the rate that she got her pre-approval for. Woo, yeah, woot, so. woot, woot. She just gave us the tools that we needed to do to go to work to get her an even better deal than she came in expecting to get. So it worked out perfect. Yeah, it worked out really well for me. See, women do that. Guys don't. <laughs> At least Carmen doesn't. No. That's for sure. That's why I hold my cars forever. Yeah. I mean, I literally got rid of a 2011 Escalade that I had for 10 years that I loved. And it, it, it brought a tear to my eye to get rid of that car. Yeah. I love that Escalade. Now, I had several of them in the past, but the 2011 was my baby. I would have gotten that car and drove it to California tomorrow. I much, I, and it just, it just it fit me. I get comfortable in cars, and I just don't like to get rid of them. So I know. That, that's- Carmen drove a pickup truck when I met him, and yep. the only reason he got rid of his pickup truck was because his son turned 16. Yep. And one day I'm going to get it back. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's a great way to be. I mean, that's how you get every penny's worth oh, yeah. the value of the vehicle. Unfortunately, you know that saying, like, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, you get your hair cut. Well, working in a car dealership and just seeing new cars every day, it's the temptation kicks in. Like, I wish I could say, yeah, I keep a car for 10 years. I don't. I buy a car, or lease a car, and then, you know, a new model comes in. I'm like, oh, oh it boy. just makes sense. I mean, I have to have that one. I mean, obviously, I have to have that. <laughs> I mean, you sell the car. Right. You should be driving <laughs> it around. It's just like a billboard. Right. kicks in. That's right. <laughs> See, every, do you believe? All right, this, do you believe that every buying decision is an emotional decision? Um, not every single one of them. Um, car, a car definitely is. And what I think is ironic about that is buying a car is the second biggest financial financial decision you could make in your life, basically, other than buying a house. Yet people come in and make snap decisions on buying cars all the time, even when they didn't set out to buy a car that day, which is funny because no one buys a house that way. You don't just like, you're not walking down the street, taking a walk and you see a house for sale and you say, you know what? I'm buying that house right now. That doesn't happen too often. It does happen with cars though. And, you know, I think that's another reason just to have someone that you know or trust in the car business. 
just to make sure that if you are going to make an emotional de- emotional decision, at least you have someone pointing you in the right direction as you're doing it yeah. to make sure that you don't make a mistake. I surround myself with badass women yeah. to help me not make bad decisions. Very wise. <laughs> I, Very trust wise. Me when I tell you, it's, yeah, yeah. Because I, I firmly believe every decision to buy something is an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. And again, it's cars because you you could have a perfectly fine car. And he said, all right, I deserve to have this new car mm-hmm. because I worked really hard last year. And again, then you buy the car. But now, are you getting the full value of the car or is it worth what you're paying for it? Or is it you know, better off just keeping a car? And we see people from all walks of life come in our doors. And you know, the, the, the thing that always comes back to my mind is the, the guy who worked at the florist who needed a delivery truck and he went out and bought a brand new F-350. Yeah. You don't really need an F-350 to deliver flowers. <laughs> right. You know, it's interesting you say that. Before I became the sales manager, I was the commercial sales manager for years. That's a whole different side of, of the automotive business. Mm-hmm. That is not an emotional decision. That is a, that's a piece of equipment that's being purchased. Right. I often preferred dealing with my commercial customers because it was just informational. It was yes. like, listen, I need this. Here's when I need it. How much is it? Okay, I'll get, get back it for to me. you. Get it for that, me. Or get it for me. That's get exactly me. right. So I think I have been able to take the, the, you know, 10 years, 11 years of me doing that with the eight years of me selling, you know, just normal retail customers before that, which now with my sales team, we kind of look at it from both aspects. And so we, we can take either approach to it, you know, so commercial sales are a very interesting thing in the car business. It's, yeah. it's like a, fleet sales too. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and it's a totally and different aspect. It's totally different. And since we sell GMC, we do a lot of fleet sales. Sure, we sure. do a lot of commercial sales and I've learned a lot from that, especially in this area. Yeah. Yeah. And over the years, has the buyer decision changed or is the buyer decision the same? It just changes over time and it, because of the sophistication of the buyer. Buyer's decision, I think, has changed because of um, technology yeah. and information and, and availability of information. I mean, it, it's just you just have to expect an educated buyer now, you know, especially on trucks. I, I mean, if a truck buyer comes in, he's probably going to know as much or more than you about that truck. You oh, know? Yeah. So you better be ready for that. So it has changed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, my stepson, he knows. I, I just asked him when I was buying my, my pickup truck. As years ago, I said to him, what do you think the best pickup truck on the market is? And he instantaneously ripped two off of his head. And he's like, I said, why? And he goes, well, you got this, you got the turbo, you got this, you got that, blah, blah, blah. But for you, you want towing capacity, so you need this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, I'm sitting here with my mouth open looking at this kid going, I had to help you with algebra. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, everything there is to know about the turbo diesel and all this other stuff. And I'm like... What, what, what's going on here? Yeah. They weren't asking the right questions in high school. Obviously, obviously. not. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and again, for me as a kid, I was I grew up in a gas station. So used cars, seeing my dad's firm belief was that there's an ass for every seat, and you never know what somebody's going to need or want or buy. And on his gas station, we were on a corner, and he'd put a car out there, and people would come up and they'd want to buy that car. Number one, everybody knew him in town, so they knew he had a good reputation. He's not going to put a crap car out there for sale. And these, he would sell cars for other people as well. And it was always with the belief of saying, hey, if you have a problem with this car, you're buying it from this guy, not from me. And if there's a problem with it, though, I've looked at the car and you know you could buy it because he had a great reputation in town. And so, I mean, cars would sell from there like in a day Mm -hmm. because people were going by, oh, Joe's got a new car for sale. Right. And it worked out really well, and he'd make a little money off the sale. Good for him. But 
it was the reputation. And I think that's where, you know, with a name like DeVoe that's been around for three generations, and you, I don't think you can go anywhere in Naples and not see a DeVoe license plate <laughs> on the car, the, the sticker on the back of the car, and that's a reputation that you got to uphold every day you go to work. And that's really important, and especially in, when, when you said used car dealers sometimes get a bad reputation that's a self-inflicted wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And also, there are so it's so common to find a dealer, especially in this market, that's just owned by, a, it's a giant corporate entity that has dealers all over the country. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, you'll find good people working at those dealerships. You always will. They're, they're, you know, but I work right alongside the owners of my dealership. You know, all, I, I've worked alongside now with three generations of those owners, and, and it's that's a great feeling. It gives me a sense of... You know that it's like that, almost like a founder's pride type thing. Like I've been with them that long, and, and, and my coworkers feel that way too. And, and we know, you know, that Mr. Devoe is is right there in the next office, and his son is, you know, right here in this office, and they work as many hours as we do. And I, I just think when you get a, an atmosphere like that and a culture like that, it attracts the right people. And we're very careful who we hire, you know. And, and so I think that it's, it's just served this company well over the years and, and for the past 13 years for me I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it so let's let's dive into that a little bit more because I've actually heard you talk a little more in depth about that who's who's running it now who's which which Devoe uh, there are several family members involved um, Mark Devoe is our dealer principal um, and then his son Rich Devoe is our general sales manager of all the stores okay so I think it's rich I've heard you talk about mm-hmm. where you've told the story where he is he's worked in every single department it's amazing I, it's it's kind of unheard of actually in the car business so rich I've and I've seen it you know after he graduated college he came and worked for the dealership I, I remember him working in the service drive parking cars I remember him working in the sales department you know as my kind of shadowing me when I was selling for a while. He's worked in the service department, in the parts department, in our corporate office, in finance. Now he's a general sales manager. That, no one's just tossing him the keys. You know, Rich is a hard worker and he knows a lot about the car business from firsthand experience. And, you know, that's the commitment to the success of that company and keeping that name going in the community, which is something that's pretty remarkable. I think that's really cool to to grow up and, you know, everybody probably just expects you to you take over because it's your parents and your grandparents and you're just expected to be the, the next generation. But I love the fact that they've put him in every single department. He's worked all the way through it, knows everything about it, just probably like they did when they started it. And I think that that says a lot about a company. And it's not just him. I mean, it's his cousins. And I mean, there there's family all over that company that, you know, it's just, it's really neat. I mean, you feel like you're a part of, of, of that family business. You know, I do. And, and it's, I think it, that name in the community, in the community, Carmen, like you said, I mean, you can't turn anywhere without seeing no, you can't. the Devoe sign somewhere. I mean, it's so. everywhere. I mean, if, even if it's just an advertisement on a billboard mm-hmm. or, or, you know, you just pop in somewhere and all of a sudden it's, it just shows up on the TV. It's like, you know, and maybe it's on the, the nightly news that's sponsored by Devoe. It's so it's important. But I, one of the things that I wanted to get into with you is how much change have you seen in the car business since you've been in it? Well, that's a great question. I've seen a lot of change, and, and we talked about how... And has it all been positive, or some of it been negative? It's all been pretty positive so far, and it's mostly been because of technology and the internet and availability of information. However, we are right now on the brink of the biggest change ever in the automotive industry with electric vehicles yeah, of course. coming. Of course. It's a tidal wave that is coming that... I, it's unbelievable 
how big this is going to be. And I'm so excited about it because General Motors has committed, you know, Mary Barra has said by 2035, GM's whole line totally. of cars is going to be electric. And I believe it. Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen.